Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey, is I am. Not Ashley and Luke in Minnesota together. (laughs) This took me out. This started as just like a little bit at BravoCon that we sort of were in on the joke with because we were there. And it has really snowballed, no pun intended, into, I guess, a full-fledged relationship. And I'm kind of loving it. (laughs) I'm more than loving it. But it's so funny because one of the overwhelming responses I see is people being like, I don't know why everyone's freaking out. Like, let's not forget he took Hannah to Minnesota too. And to me, I'm like, that means nothing. Like, you had to be in the audience at the Summer House panel when Lindsay was so jokingly talking about the idea of making it her mission to set Luke up. And she mentioned Ashley Darby as you know a very eligible bachelorette. But the whole thing was said in a kind of joking fashion. And now it's really happening. And I, I, I can't get enough of it. And Andy, I think, pointed them out on one night of the Watch What Happens Lives that week too. But now to see it like out of context and them really being in all of each other's stories and he made the grid. There was a solo shot of the two of them on her grid. Like that carries a lot of weight. In today's day and age, a solo grid post is (laughs) basically a marriage proposal. I was about to say, it's not an engagement, but it's something. Robin Dixon commented on Ashley's post and said, so is he your boyfriend? And the way I felt was like, you know what? Cut straight to the point. Like, you're right. That is the question on all of our minds, Robin. Right. Like I, and I'm not typically someone that needs a defining relationship. Like I'm all for the gray area, but I want this relationship defined for my own knowledge. Yeah, no, I I absolutely need it. And it's weird because even though they're both on shows, I can't exactly pinpoint like if we're ever going to see it go down, which is such a funny thing to think about two reality stars that film all the time. I don't really know if we'll actually get to see behind the scenes of this. And I really wish and hope that we do. 
Could you imagine Ashley Darby in the winter house or maybe a little bit more realistically, Luke FaceTiming her from his like basement bedroom? I honestly can. That's why I feel kind of good about this because I think she would have so much fun and like fit in with everybody. I really need it. But I'll take a cameo if that's the least we can get. I'll take a grid post. Like even if it goes nowhere <laughs> after this, I, I feel very fulfilled by what we've gotten thus far, don't you? Yeah, no, I'm obsessed with it. Other thing we need to talk about is the Jersey trailer drops season 13. It premieres February 7th. We have two new housewives, Danielle and Rachel. Jackie is now a friend of, as well as a woman by the name of Jennifer Fessler, who's also a friend of. And I mean, the trailer's three minutes and 19 seconds, I believe, but a lot of shit went down in those three minutes. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we've been hearing about this season forever because we have, and everything that we've been wondering about Melissa and Joe and Teresa and Louie, we're going to get to see it all. We'll get to see this infamous party that went down like the week of Teresa's wedding that sort of sealed the deal of Joe and Melissa not attending and a lot of other storylines. I mean, I think it'll be fun to see Dolores in a relationship. Her storyline for so long has been about Frank in a different way, sort of. And I, I really, I liked what I saw. I will tell you right now, I know a lot took place in that trailer, but if you ask me what I was the most zoned in on and what I have been thinking about since I watched it, hands down, it would be that dinner between Frank and Dolores when he honestly starts crying and gets a little bit emotional talking about how their relationship has changed since she's been in this new relationship, which like, I know we don't know the details of yet, but that, that really hit me for some reason because I always felt like their relationship was the one amidst all of the chaos that was the most sacred and the most almost untouchable. And so to see for whatever reason that something is impacting that, I was a little bit surprised by that. Yeah, me too. I mean, I'm not blaming Dolores' boyfriend, but I think with David, her last boyfriend, it came a little bit easy because he and Frank got along so well and they sort of figured it out and he was so down for this unconventional dynamic. I mean, Frank literally lived with him when Dolores wasn't even living there. So to go from that to someone who probably is more like hesitant about, you know, having him around all the time and the way that their family has been functioning, it must be a really big sort of change in his life. And yeah, I, I I'm glad they're going to be able to have these conversations because I think for so long, a lot of people have been like, how can you live like this forever? And this is sort of like the fork in the road. And also Frank wearing a tank top in like what seems a really nice restaurant with white tablecloths just made it all the more Jersey and perfect. I fucking love him. Like, Same. I will, I, again, not at all against Dolores. I adore her, but I ride for Frank in a very specific way. And I just, I want them to be back to normal, whatever that looks like. And maybe there's a new normal that they need to adjust to. I mean, who are we to say? It's just, I think that that bond they have is so special. And it's always something that I've regarded as really unique, specifically amongst the Bravo universe. So that's definitely the part of the season I'm the most invested in. Because listen, we could be doing this 20 years from now and Teresa and Melissa will still be fighting whether they're on air or not. So it's not to say I'm desensitized to it. I fucking love it. But it doesn't get me going in the way that a completely new storyline does. Also, Jennifer and Marge, also never going to get along and still going to go below the belt. I mean, we see one part where Jennifer is yelling at her like, you don't have any family. Marge is saying you don't have any friends. And we see also continuation of Jennifer and Bill having issues, which honestly broke my heart. I kind of felt 
they had gotten to such a good place after all shit hit the fan last season. Does it feel like we're back? I mean, who's to say it's just the trailer? I don't know. I'm a little nervous. But the thing about Jennifer and Bill is they never really worked through it. You know, they were forced to discuss it because it was brought to light on the show, but you could tell they never really did the work. And so maybe they did, maybe they'll be doing it this season, but I've, that's not a shock to me. Like I very much understand why she's still coming in with all these same problems, because if anything, it's probably this season that the most would come out because last season, you know, they were still trying to get their bearings. Now it's so out, they can't focus the anger on the fact that it's known. They can focus the anger on like the actual issues that are happening. Right. At this point, they can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, so they might as well let it all out. But I guess their method for all these years has always just been brush it under the rug. And at a certain point, especially when it's being exacerbated by all these outside factors, it's going to come to a head. No, totally. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I am dying to get into Miami. There has never been a moment where I wasn't dying to get into Miami. You got to hand it to Lisa Hochstein, not only for coming on this trip, which yes, she ultimately ended up leaving clearly the right decision, but just in general for being there and not masking it, really being deeply transparent with what is going on. That is not easy. Like what we are seeing right now is as raw as it gets. She is on the phone with her mother-in-law talking about whether or not Lenny has snuck a girl into the home while her kids are there. That is, forget about peak housewives. That is the kind of content you couldn't even dream of getting from people you know in your own life. So then to be witness to this very intimate conversation she is having, I mean, truly, I don't care what else she does the rest of the season. To me, Lisa's MVP. No, she's so MVP. And look, a lot of the information we got in this episode wasn't necessarily new or groundbreaking, but it hits so different to actually see it go down in real time. I mean, even when we spoke to her last week, we can hear her say it and reenact it, but to actually see her in these moments where she doesn't know what's going to happen and Honestly, Lisa lasted on this trip so much longer than I think anybody would, certainly longer than I would have. Like the minute that all that shit started going down, I would have been on the first plane out of there or in the first car that would take me. But she stayed. She went to the dinner. And look, are there a couple of moments where she turns the cameras away? 100%. I think that is fully understandable. But she also gave us so much. I mean, in terms of your point about her lasting there much longer than most people would, absolutely. And the thing that I could not get over is like, let's say this had nothing to do with anything going on in her actual home. In general, when there is something stressful happening, it's already overwhelming to be on a girl's trip and to be having to put on a brave face. But specifically to be away from your home when the very thing happening is at your home and the only way to protect yourself is by physically being there. It wasn't just like she was being emotionally pulled away. It was also like, her her sacred space was being taken from her. It's so crazy because I have never been in that situation or saw anything even remotely like it, but somehow I felt for her as if I was. You know, it's like you could feel the emotions she felt when she was on the phone with Marina. I really was feeling just her helplessness because she was so far away and there was literally nothing she could do. She was trying to call everybody at her house to sort of like be her eyes and ears. And I, I completely understand. I mean, I can't believe she didn't leave that night. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who 
know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify eye drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. Another thing too I liked about this episode was we saw the actual events of Larsa specifically being such a good friend to Lisa go down in the moment and then completely put aside all the mortgage apartment comment bullshit as soon as they needed help. I mean, the whole group, the camaraderie that they came around her, look, was it all in the best, most helpful way? Probably not. But it would just felt like a group of a sisterhood that dropped everything. Alexia was not caring about her birthday. The girls were not caring about any of the other dynamics going on and really rallied around Lisa. And to see Larsa like staying up with her all night, all of them giving her this advice and really rallying around her and saying, we've all been through this, like that next morning in the glam room, we are here for you. I feel, I we say this over and over, but that is the foundation of what makes a good Housewives cast is their ability to do that and that just underlying current of love and friendship that is kind of untouchable at the end of the day. I will tell you, I don't know if you feel this way, but personally, after being in the room with Marisol and Alexia and then Lisa and Larsa and hearing the way that they spoke about one another, both on mic and off mic, it made my viewing experience for this episode so much more powerful because those are women that really care about her. And second of all, in terms of it being the foundation of a successful franchise, in Salt Lake City this week, when when one of them, it was maybe Heather, said, you know, at the end of the day, we all love one another. It's like, to me, I heard crickets. Because when you say that, I don't believe that. Yet when the Miami women say it, no matter what they're going through, I believe it. Right. Because they love each other. They may not always like each other, but they love each other. It's like a family thing. It's a history thing where I don't feel like the Salt Lake City women ever loved each other. So 
who cares if they like or don't like each other? Like they fundamentally don't even have relationships, but we'll obviously get into that in a little bit. But this episode was great because it had a good mix of like funny, but also, you know, it gave us the real Lisa shit in real time. It was exactly what we wanted to see. And these are the kind of things that like pull you out of the usual housewife storyline when there's some like big, real holy shit moment, like a divorce, a death, a fight, anything like that, that kind of takes you out of like a fluffy reality TV show and, you know, into their real lives. Like we've seen the fluffiest of fluff from Lisa. So now to be with her on the lowest lows, I kind of think it's important. And honestly, I think she, I guess the word is performed or came across so beautifully and anybody watching, no matter what you've ever thought of her would sympathize with her watching this. I really feel that way. And the other thing I was thinking about is when she said, when we were in the studio with her, how, you know, last season and this season are at times when he was just so clearly dismissive of her while filming, like when she was trying to have these romantic dinners or whatever it was, he wasn't into it and it was obvious. And she would say to him, like, come on, we're filming, you know, don't do this right now. And I was thinking about that while watching this because on top of the emotions she was experiencing herself, I think with Lisa, she's lived a life that has been very public facing and a, there's a certain image that needs to be maintained and at times curated. And so, you know, her marriage was falling apart and she felt as though, her, you know, her life was crumbling, but also she was dealing with the fact that this was going to be public, not only on TV, but also just in the very little kind of Miami social world that she exists within. So you were almost watching two things happening, like her genuine upset and then also her fear about that facade fading. And I think that that's a very real thing to watch someone experience. Something I was feeling was really reflecting on how we were reading about it and seeing things on Instagram in real time when this was like actually going down about him being spotted out. I remember seeing a TikTok of him outside of Prime 112 with his arm like around that girl being super flirty and everyone being like, uh, that's not Lisa. So to see her like really break it down exactly timeline when he said it, what he said, hearing what he's saying to her on the phone you actually can't believe what a fucking dick he is. Like until you were in that moment and you're seeing what he's saying to his own mother or how he's blocking the mother of his children from calling him and aka his kids while she's away and saying, I mean, the stuff with the driver and everything, you, your brain can't process it until you're like literally watching Lisa in that public pool bathroom down by the beach have to really deal with it. And something for me that I had been really curious about, and I actually meant to ask Lisa, but I'm glad we're seeing it now, was was the reaction of his parents and his family? Because we have seen from her first episode on the show back a million years ago, her relationship with his family has been such a point of contention and work and like literally something that she worked every single day to better for him. And because of course, it's the grandmother and father of her children. So to see them coming together in that way, to me was like such a full circle, fucking crazy moment. I don't know what it's like in real time now, but at least in the beginning, she was there being like, what is my son doing? Well, I think she said on Watch What Happens that initially his mom was kind of on her side and now that's faded a little bit. And I think she said something, you know, similar to it's her son at the end of the day, it's her son. So I think that that closeness or maybe closeness is the wrong word, but that alliance I do think has faded a little bit. But even just to see that was was super interesting. I mean, when I tell you, I 
would have done anything to have more time with Lisa and Larsa because of the questions I want to ask. I thought that before this episode, after seeing this episode and seeing the entirety of that conversation, it's about, I need like multiple hours with her. Like I want to know exactly what was going through her mind when she picked up that phone, like more than she could tell in a confessional, you know, like, and, and to have this time now to kind of reflect on it and now to see the response from the public. I mean, what we're witnessing is it's really a unique experience. I just don't know what's going to happen. I think everybody around her feels so shocked. And also, oh, I forget which one of them said this, but like Lisa would have ridden it out no matter what with him. So the fact that he was kind of making this decision for her was never what anybody thought was going to happen. You know, like maybe like what happened last year where there was that quote emotional affair. She stuck by him. She was willing to like do the work and get things back to where they were. Obviously they didn't, but she was willing to ride it out. I don't know. This is just insane. Like what is he thinking? You know, like he is the one who chose to do this. What? A couple weeks after they started filming? He's behaving in a way that I would describe as almost inhumane. It's really, really mean. It's not just petty. It's really mean and seemingly mean-spirited. But in terms of what you just said about her riding it out, I very much feel that way. Even in her confessional, she says, you know, I still want to make it work. Of course, that was filmed a while ago. I don't think that's her sentiment at the moment. But that's why there is a large part of me that thinks this is a blessing in disguise because I think she would have been okay with not feeling entirely fulfilled, not feeling overly loved because it was worth it to her to kind of keep the peace and to keep her life intact. And so, yes, this is horrible. This is definitely going to be one of the worst, most painful experiences she will ever go through. But I really do believe that she will emerge on the other side an even better version of herself because she will now be forced to you know, to be fulfilled in a different way. Like this is not a man that was nice to her. Yes, now he's behaving in a disgusting manner, but even when they were quote good, it was never like he was overly loving towards her or that's never the side that we saw. Well, that was something too I noticed was not even just Lisa, even the women around her kept talking about the life that they built together and not necessarily their relationship or losing her husband. It was more about losing this life that they had built together, aka the outward facing public celebrity of it all, this house, the parties that they threw, of course, their children, that is included, but their business, she was involved in the med spa part of it. Like there's a, so many other things that go into their marriage. And I just felt like most people, if you're in like a really loving, deep relationship, when you're talking about having a divorce, it's about losing your husband and your partner and your best friend, this man you love. And not to say she didn't say that, but I do think that a lot of their focus and everything was like this life and this house that they have built together. And that wording to me stood out a little bit because I think it's very telling of like how much is sort of cracked here aside from their relationship and also like that their relationship is only a tiny part of this union. One million percent. It is such an important observation because even at their best, I think that if you were asking for people to describe their relationship, the positives that they would give would also be associated with the life. I don't think anyone in like their heyday would say they just have the most loving, compassionate relationship where they seem so on the same wavelength. I don't think anyone would have said that. I think they would have said they've really built a beautiful life together and it really works for them. They seem to be very aligned in the way that they want to live, which is important, obviously, but like that's not what's going to carry you through these times. And we're seeing that on full display. I just, 
my heart was fucking breaking for her. And you're right to see the way that the women really rallied around her was very heartwarming. My personal favorite part and moment of levity was when Larsa compared herself to Michelle Obama, her, that she's the Michelle Obama of basically divorce advice. <laughs> she was like, listen, if Michelle Obama was talking, I would just listen. I was like, this is, you know what? At least that's self-awareness. Right. Exactly. <laughs> also, let's talk about Alexia and Julia because you know we ride for Alexia, but she was wrong on this one. She was really wrong on this one. And I know she apologized the next day, but I wish she could have stuck with it a little bit longer and just really heard where Julia was coming from more. But the defensiveness kind of came out. And again, I adore Alexia, but this was really not her best moment. I mean, this was just fully wrong. And I felt like she just kept digging herself a deeper grave, like giving more reasons or justifying it more. You know, Alexia fights hard and this is not her first rodeo when it comes to that. And I feel like Julia was not intimidated, but maybe a little bit overwhelmed and wanted to stick up and give her peace. But Alexia is not an easy kind of fight. No. And it's not that I think that Julia didn't fully understand the way that Alexia fights. I just think that in Julia's view, Alexia was so objectively wrong that maybe she would have handled this one a little bit differently, maybe a little bit less defensively. And she didn't, you know, it's like she apologized, which I don't think is out of character. I think that she's happy to say when she's wrong, but there was no then wiggle room, you know, it was like the apology, even that took place with so much intensity and it was just, it was wrong. And I, I, I was, I was not on Alexia's side for this one. I can't, I can't say that I was. I don't blame Julia because I kind of expected that too. And then it somehow snowballed into Alexia making a comment that got Adriana started. So I feel like Alexia was like, oh, fuck, I should not have even gone down this road. The comment in and of itself was just so unnecessary. She was even the first one to say it was based solely on a stereotype. I don't even feel that I need to overly defend how wrong it was because to me it was so clear how wrong it was. Like, yeah. any, <laughs> like, what? Yeah, no, there's like no question here. You do have to find a little bit of the humor in it, though, that Alexia was like using an excuse or a backup to why she said it as she was just really mad about Lenny and like he's Russian. So she was just taking her anger out on him, you know? I, could, I couldn't believe she said that. I was like, I was like, wait, how, how do we get there? I was like, well, listen, we all hate Lenny, too, but <laughs> that doesn't, yeah, no. doesn't work like that. It doesn't work. It's not transferable. You're the more appropriate was pretending the pinata was him, you know, like right. that, that's that's not doing anything there. I'm going to tell you, though, obviously MVP of this episode was Lisa, but coming in a very close second for different reasons was Kiki. I mean, I was going to say that. How is she not a full time housewife? She is so good at what she does. She was killing me in that confessional with that bald man. No, I was literally laughing out loud. <laughs> I was in the car with my dad when I was watching it and, I, and like it was playing out loud. I was like, not you, not you. <laughs> Justice for bald men everywhere. <laughs> exactly. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. 
And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, New Kids on the Block, Sean Paul, Sum 41, Whitney Cummings, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Before we get into this week's episode of Salt Lake City, we got to talk about Jen's statement regarding the reunion. Yeah, everyone was wondering if she would be there. And then rumors started coming out from people on the scene that she wasn't there. And then she dropped this statement on Instagram. Okay, it reads, statement from Jen Shaw. On September 14th, 2022, I was informed by Bravo executives that I was not invited to attend the season three reunion. I was disappointed because I would have no venue to confront inaccuracies and address my storyline with the cast members. Out of nowhere, on November 29th, two and a half weeks ago, I was invited to attend. I was elated to learn I would now have a voice at the reunion. I was clear with Bravo that out of respect for the courts and a standing judicial order, I would not be in a position to discuss anything related to my legal case or sentencing. Bravo found this unsatisfactory and said they expected to discuss this, quote, storyline. That expectation has no regard for me or my family's well-being. So under legal advice, I will not be attending the reunion. I need to focus on the most important thing in my life, my family. Like, can I tell you the craziest part about all of this to me? Anything else aside, like let's say Bravo was thrilled to have her. How literally two and a half weeks before you're about to get sentenced, is this what you want to be doing? Like, I just cannot imagine having it in you to want to fight about such bullshit with these women. Like, I I don't know. I feel like I'm missing something or maybe she's missing something. I really don't know either. I guess my initial reaction, I sort of was preparing myself ever since BravoCon when Andy kind of made that statement that like after she pled guilty they were sort of washing their hands of her and didn't really want to be associated or include her in anything from that moment on I sort of assumed she wouldn't be at the reunion and selfishly of course I would want her there I want to know everything there's so many things to ask her they could dedicate one whole part of the reunion to asking her questions but again it would be like a mini Jen Shaw trial and of course she's not going to own up to anything so I feel like what are we going to talk about without her there, but also we're going to get so much done without her there. Does that make sense? Yes. No, it it does make a lot of sense. I'm not unhappy that she's not going to be there at all. Like I, it's definitely the right decision. Do it, would it bring more drama? Totally. But is it the right call? Absolutely. I just, I don't know. It's like she is facing such legitimate jail time that Could you imagine wanting to get in full glam three weeks before you may leave your family for years and fight it out with fucking Whitney Rose? Like, I I don't know. To me, I can't imagine doing that, not going to jail. Right. That's like, (laughs) it's, 
Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. What's frustrating too is that they filmed it this week, but they won't know the verdict of her trial until next week. So they filmed sort of before that, but it will come out after, which is always annoying to like watch something yelling at the screen like, we know what happens. Also, last Thursday breaks from TMZ, Salt Lake City star Jen Shaw, tons of knockoff designer bags and bling seized by feds in case. And when you go through it, you find that, you know, she had more than 30 counterfeit bags, 40 pieces of counterfeit jewelry, you know, a bunch of stuff. And as we know, as part of her guilty plea, she's ordered to forfeit six and a half million to help pay up to nine and a half million in restitution. So they released the entire inventory of the items, and some of those were you know, legitimate, not counterfeit. She also had some jewelry listed in the article from Meredith's jewelry collection. But to see all of this, it's like, it's so invasive, you know? Like when you're in this position, it really just shows you how all of this stuff is fair game for not only the courts, of course, but then also the entire general public. Yeah, I guess it's like, as soon as you feel bad, you realize that she did bring this on herself. But you also can't kind of help but feel bad. You know, she's still a mother and a wife and somebody that we've sort of gotten to know. But I just feel like every day I log on, I'm like, all right, what am I going to hear about Jen Shaw today? Like it just keeps getting worse and worse. Yeah. And she's just continuing to play the housewife game, which I still have a hard time wrapping my head around. But I guess it makes so much sense given who she is and the pride that she has in terms of her quote character on the show. But I would like to start this episode with something we mentioned last week, which is basically a plea. It was actually you that asked, someone explain to us what the hell is going on in Salt Lake City. Like, are we the crazy ones that we don't get it? And thank you for everyone who responded because we got an overwhelming response of people saying, no, it's not just you guys. I'm feeling the same way. I actually stopped watching a week ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And it was really this overwhelming feeling of like, this is not the housewives that we signed up for. And the chaos has gotten too distracting. I will say, and I am so annoyed, I cannot find this DM. We got a DM from someone that was brilliant that basically said, guys, I'm telling you, I hear what you're saying, but you're watching it wrong. They were like, you have to watch it as if the entire thing is camp. It changes your whole perspective. And it was interesting because I tried to do that this week. And like, whoever said that, you are onto something. Because once you stop watching this through your typical housewives lens that we have been trained to watch shows with, you know, throughout our entire Bravo career, like it changes everything. Cause now you're watching, you're like, wow, what a performance. I agree with you. I think that that was a great way to sort of flip it on its head and be like, let's not take it so seriously. Let's take it for what it is, which is absolutely ridiculous. And I will say when we get into this week, I think that someone's pranking us. Like, I feel like the producers and the editors and even the housewives heard us saying how confusing and insane the show is and said, well, wait till you get a fucking load of this week's episode. And I mean, I just, there's no words. Heather refusing to tell anyone where this black eye came from is one of the most bizarre and infuriating things I have ever witnessed on a Housewives franchise. You cannot take us into your bedroom when you are absolutely intoxicated, show us your entire night, see the door handle open, know there was action going on in there, and then have the audacity to have this giant fucking welt on your face and think that it's going to be all hunky-dory, to quote Kathy Hilton, to not say anything about it. Like, 
I didn't ask to be included in this game of guess how. You just now involuntarily included all of us. We don't want to guess. We're not trying to guess. We want to be told. We don't watch these shows to guess. That's the entire point of reality TV. And it's like, Heather, I love you. I loved you last season. You were already losing me. Now you're losing me real fast. I feel like everyone's reaction is not even enough for how weird this is. I was sitting watching by myself, looking to my left and right, like, what universe am I in? It it was all confusing and weird enough. But then this came out and she, her reaction to it was so bizarre and so uncomfortable to watch because she doesn't know what story to stick with, first of all. You know, she's changing her answers a little bit of why she doesn't want to tell and how it went down and what she she forgets or she doesn't know. And it just made me feel like I was literally tripping and on an alternate universe. No, I am so on your page. I agree. We as a collective whole are not fully understanding just how strange this is. Like all of a sudden, she's acting as though we're on this mystery show where like everyone wants to be Nancy Drew and we don't. That's not what we want. It's not not exactly. And like in the process of trying to make it better or conceal the situation or ease it over, she's only making whatever may have happened look 10 times more suspicious because I'm sitting here. I wouldn't have had this thought before, but now I'm like, oh, obviously Jen did it in an accidental drunken rage. And now Heather's trying to protect her as a way to not make things worse for Jen's trial, which was happening after the time this was being filmed. Like, as we know at this point, Jen had not pleaded guilty yet. I'm not saying that's the case, but the way she's acting is making me think that. What was confusing for me as a viewer was like, at first when she's saying, I don't want to talk about it, and it felt like this almost embarrassing, shameful thing, then to I'm protecting someone, and then to like, I can't talk about it, I don't want to get anybody in trouble. It was sort of like, all the lanes are weird, but at least pick a lane, you know? Yes. And it got even weirder when Jen is in the room with her and immediately got into the mode of like, okay, what's our story? It was so bizarre, like her acting almost. Like when someone takes their glasses off and has a black eye like that, she was like, oh my God, what do we do? Not like, like all of a sudden she's like, oh, what happened? It was so unnatural, regardless of if she really did it or not. It felt so unnatural and orchestrated of like, of course, you've discussed it already. That's nobody's visceral reaction to seeing their best friend have a black punched in eye like that. No, like Meredith's reaction was very real. You could tell that was deeply authentic, especially she kept bringing it up, whereas Jen did not want to say a word about it. Neither did Heather. She was trying to like say it without saying it. I mean- It was so strange. I feel like Heather thought that she was like really being kind of sly and like you're right, saying it without saying it and sort of giving like a wink, wink, no pun intended, of who did it and what went down and like why she's not saying it. But she also wasn't at all. Like it was so clunky, her delivery of everything that it gave us nothing. It was so weird. It felt as though she was talking to us in her confessional as if she had explained it to us on the DL and now what she was doing was almost like she was acting and saying the story she needs to say to keep things copacetic. But we never got that other confessional when she actually told us what happened. So it's like, you're talking to us as if we're in on you hiding it. We're not in on you hiding it because we don't understand why you're hiding it. I mean, imagine how the producers must have felt like they're pressing her and trying to get one little thing 
that she would even give a budge a little bit and she wouldn't say. But what's weirder too is like those confessionals are filmed way after the actual weekend of the events. So I guess her story hasn't changed, but let me tell you something right now. If Andy Cohen doesn't get that answer out of her at the reunion, like we riot at midnight. No, he will. I mean, if there is one thing I have in Andy Cohen, it is the confidence that he will get the answer of how Heather Gay got that black eye. I also think selfishly for Heather, honestly, her future as a housewife sort of relies on this answer at this point, because I think a lot of people have really jumped the fence on how they feel about her and are like, who is this person? This is not like the honest, relatable, reliable narrator who I knew the first season. So you at least got to give us that. And if let's say it was Jen, it also amazed me how quickly if like, like all hypothetically, obviously, but the fact that this happened at what, four or five in the morning and by 10 a.m. they already had not just a full-fledged plan, but Heather had sort of calmed down and was all ready to give in to a plan to make Jen look good. Like it all just happened so fucking fast. Another theory I've been seeing floating is that it was something with Botox and like she had bad Botox and it struck a nerve and obviously that would hurt her business. But I don't know. I don't know the exact Botox timeline, but I feel like it wouldn't kick in three days later and in such a severe way. Listen, I'm not a doctor. This is probably something we need Terry Dubrow or Bill Aiden to answer for us, but I don't believe that botched Botox manifests in that way that many days later and mimics exactly what you would get if someone were to punch you in the eye. I could be wrong. It just, from what I know, doesn't look like that. But to your point about how just a few hours later, she was already ready to hypothetically protect Jen and make up the story, assuming that was the case, just for purpose of this conversation, we're going with that. That right there is the only anecdote you need to illustrate the toxicity within Heather and Jen's friendship. Because what we have said so many times before is that Heather is like a metaphorical punching bag for Jen. And because there is something about Jen that Heather craves, whether it's the validation, the approval, the fun and lighthearted nature she at times brings to things, the excitement, the chaos, whatever Jen is giving Heather that is fulfilling her in a way that other aspects of her life are not fulfilling her or making her feel a certain way, that's what it is. And then for this to happen and for that metaphorical punching bag to potentially be real and rooted in some actual physical altercation, like I'm not saying it's the case, but if it is, what a story to illustrate what we have all been saying. I, I, like everyone in the room are the only suspects and Jen is the one acting so weird. But what's what I'm having a hard time I guess processing because I guess based on like exactly what you just said, it could be true. Hypothetically, Jen hurts Heather immediately after she's like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean, I didn't mean it. And they then immediately concoct a plan of how she's going to walk in the next morning and what she's going to say and how it's all going to go down. Like it's just absolutely insane. What else could have happened? What else could have – I can't even think of something else that could have happened. No, but exactly what you said, yes. Like hypothetically, if that's what went down, that is the way that I envision the interaction. Like they knew what happened, kind of freaked out, knew they had to cover, and then like made up this whole convoluted story. Like if that did take place, it must have been handled and decided prior to Jen walking into the room. And that in and of itself is so strange. The whole thing is so weird and I think everybody is obsessing about it, but – Honestly, not enough for my personal need because it is literally the weirdest thing I've ever seen. 
Julie, I told you I was watching it with headphones in and Julie was like making fun of my facial reaction. She sent you, <laughs> she sent you a picture of it. And I turned her and I was like, I took out my headphone. I was like, I promise if you were watching this, you would have the same reaction. Like this is so strange. It's so strange on a season and a show that already I thought was like driving me crazy of how chaotic and unorganized and just like wild it was. This really was what took me over the edge. No, this, this one takes the cake for sure. I mean, Jen throwing that crudite and the shoes overboard, was that bizarre? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. But this, this is a whole other level, but I want to talk about Lisa because I felt she was being attacked at all angles and she was a fucking ninja. I think that we've had a real change of heart in terms of Lisa and that, listen, we're watching Housewives of Salt Lake City. That could change next week. But for right now, I'm very much on her side. I think her point, and Meredith even said this, and I love Meredith, but what Meredith said, I mean, she revealed it herself. Like she's only interested in these SEC filings or whatever the case may be because of Lisa's rant. You know, it's very clearly like a tit for tat type situation. And she feels Lisa was being hypocritical and she feels it's now her responsibility to bring that hypocrisy to light, even in a way that may feel intrusive. But like Lisa's on to her, you know, she knows where it's coming from. Right. At least she is able to ground herself in that knowledge of like almost not taking it so personally anymore. Obviously she does take it personally because spoiler alert, of course she's going to, but at least she is aware of that knowledge of like, this is, this is coming from just Meredith holding a grudge and not being able to get over it. I just can't help but laugh at Jen, like trying to explain crowdfunding and all these financial things. I'm like, maybe you should just sit this one out. (laughs) Right. Like you may be the absolute worst person to ever have this conversation. Yeah, it's just like, you know what? You don't need to contribute to every single one. Like what Larsa said about Michelle Obama, like just take a back seat. I also say that in a season and a franchise that has become so bizarre and disjointed and chaotic and false, the conversations between Meredith and Lisa still feel real to me because that friendship did exist on an authentic deep level. Even as much as Meredith kind of wants to rewrite that narrative a little bit, it did. And so- you can see like that's the realest – not fight, but that is the realest source of like contention and hurt among the entire group With in addition to Heather and Whitney. But that problem has become so confusing that we don't even view it in that same way. Yeah, I guess like their relationship is the only one that I felt ever had that Miami foundation. Whereas the other ones like I don't even care if they fight for them so hard because they're strangers. Exactly. Like, what do I care if Jen Shaw and Angie Harrington are on good terms? That means nothing for my life. Zero. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. 
is fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. One thing about Giselle, she's going to get to the bottom of a situation in the most nosy way, yet asking all of the questions that so many other people also have but would never ask. I'm obsessed with her having a full interrogation after her like big night live show. It's like, all right, first live podcast at nine, interrogate Mia and Jacqueline at 10. (laughs) The best part about that is that they're all sitting in the same row. Like while this whole Jacqueline interrogation is going on, Mia is no more than seven seats away. (laughs) Right. Like they're just on two separate aisles of the same row in the theater. You know, they couldn't even get a round table. This is kind of a fun dynamic to witness because I would say in 99% of these scenarios across all franchises, when a person is confronted with these types of questions, their initial reaction is one of defensiveness. But Mia is so down to go there and like has this very playful nature when it comes to sexual experiences that I actually think she's appreciative of the interest. Like I, I almost feel that she's down to give the answers and to kind of play into this curiosity. It's it's so different. Like I was so primed for her to get pissed by the situation of like, why are you talking about my marriage and what goes on in my bedroom? But I think she almost welcomes it. And, and that's maybe partially what plays into kind of what turns her on about it. I don't know. The way I felt was Mia and Jacqueline's sort of sly, sneaky answers of like, well, you'll have to ask Mia is what Heather Gay thought she was doing about her black eye and it wasn't coming across. Like here, (laughs) at least you're giving us a little something to work with. Like obviously a hint, hint, nod, nod of like, yeah, that did happen, but you're going to have to ask her. And, you know, I will open up about it later, just not right in this moment while we're in the theater that Robin and Giselle just had their show in. Like, I don't know. It was like they gave us an answer without giving us an answer. And look, 
Mia and Jacqueline are like not the backbone of the show, but I do appreciate that this deep storyline about Mia sleeping with Peter Thomas's girlfriend and now Jacqueline and Mia potentially showering together has become a plot purely because Giselle's fucking nosy and is going to bring it to the table. Wait, the the Peter's girlfriend of it all is a huge deal because it adds so much context to the Wendy fight. Like, yeah, yeah. That, That's what I think they were saying too. Like, wait, oh, I wish I knew that before we had this huge blow up for a week in Miami. Right. It makes so much, so much more sense. I mean, you know, I think the other thing, which like this, this aside, just like in, in general, in terms of the way that Mia has handled arguments, I think that we have gone hard on her because I specifically just did not like the way that she spoke to Wendy. But as I'm watching this, and I don't know what's going to happen next week, whatever, but I appreciate her openness and how it almost like takes the power away from these from these like stigmatizations about sexuality yeah. kind of. It's like, yeah, that's what I did and that's what I own. And like the traditional view of one monogamy and also just like sexual interactions when married – that's not the only way to be. It's a fine way to be, but it's not the only way to be. And there's nothing wrong with this being something that turns me and my partner on as two consenting adults that are only engaging with other consenting adults. Like you don't typically see that on Housewives. And I like to see that because I think it's important. Like we we do at some point need to come to the collective realization as a society that like there's not only one way to do marriage. Well, I feel like she really almost makes Giselle feel sort of small and like she wants to make Giselle feel like so closed minded and old school. And I think she achieves that of being like, yeah, so like get with the program, like everyone's doing it, you know, like you're so behind and you think you're catching me in something bad or naughty or like wrong and you're not. And like, it's cool. And then I don't know if Giselle takes it that way, but I think a little bit she's like, self-conscious of like, wait, I'm making this a whole big deal. And like, are people judging me for making it a big deal more than they're judging her for doing it? it well, yeah, it entirely takes the power back. I mean, when you have that attitude, you, you like, it's like a Uno reverse. You know what I mean? Like you, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, she, yeah. I, listen, I, I think that Mia and Jacqueline, clearly there were some deeply foundational issues that were going on between them because if everything was perfect, it would not have then gone down the way it's gone down in, in real time, which we know they're like not on speaking terms and have said some pretty mean things about one another. But just in terms of the sexual aspect of it all, like fuck them, do what you want. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wait, <laughs> also <laughs> Karen going over to Mia's house to remove herself from the cookie making process and then immediately march her way into that living room just to ask those questions was so Karen Huger. It was amazing. And also I thought you were going to say Karen bringing a hardcore pen and paper to Robin and Giselle's live show to take notes of what not to do at her own live show was comedy. And, you know, understandable. I think it seemed fun. Ashley Darby did not know that she was like the third act of the show, but I guess that's a different story. I think that Robin and Giselle have so much potential to have a great live show. I just think that like in the beginning, it's obviously there's things you got to work out. Like it's never going to be yeah. smooth sailing when you do the first one and live events are terrifying or can be, I have to imagine. 
Oh, I also wanted to say to you, because I feel like this would be an amazing thing that we always talk about, is Karen and Giselle's relationship. All of a sudden, Karen is coming into Giselle's brand new house, bringing her daughter's Gucci bracelets. And you see Giselle like really basically saying what we've been saying all along. Like, this is our love. There's friendship. There's love there. And we are petty and we fight and whatever, but there's love there. Again, going back to our foundational conversation of like, yeah, do they fight and they want to like sometimes cut deep or go below the belt a little bit? Sure. But at the end of the day, Giselle called Karen in the middle of the night and said, I need you. Like, she's helping her bury the body. A thousand percent she's going to be there again, lacking on Salt Lake City. But yes, I loved that. And I also felt it was so full circle for the interaction to be happening in Giselle's house post-renovation. Like there were so many layers to that. And then (laughs) Karen sitting in her confessional, trying her absolute hardest to comment on the chandelier and the chandelier only was comedy at its finest. And in order to fully appreciate that moment, you really have to understand the background specifically as it applies to their relationship and Giselle's house and design choices that you could tell Karen was looking at that producer like, don't you dare make me say a bad word. I mean, look, it was perfect because it rounded out this scene that was completely nice and like amazing between the two of them. It would have felt unnatural had she not said that. Totally, totally. She needed to. Also, the last thing I wanted to mention from this episode is just how sweet it was watching Wendy's daughter kind of be her caretaker. Like that that really warmed my heart. It was really cute. And it was nice to see her at home with her whole family. And like, again, real moments, you know? <laughs> her to be to her mom, like, I love you, but your breasts at this moment are just <laughs> the last thing on my list. Like Kourtney Kardashian, it's simply not my priority. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to mention from Potomac or anything else? Um, I think that's it. What a good week. Oh my God. End of the year Housewives episode. I know. I said this on on the regular episode that dropped yesterday. Julie and I did like a 2022 pop culture recap, but I want to say it again here because I know we have some different listeners. You know, it, it's not lost on us ever that the only reason we're able to do this as our full-time thing is because of you guys and because of people that have the same level of interest in the stuff that we do and then somehow every week want to come on and hear us talk about it. Like that's something we have never fully processed and I don't think we ever will, but we are so appreciative and so grateful. And it is so fun to be on this ride together, the three of us as best friends, but then also to be on it with all of you. And we just love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. And we are so excited for all the Bravo in 2023. It's literally a dream come true, and reading your messages every day is the best part of my day. Absolutely. Absolutely.